0: For everybody listening at home, I'm hijacking John's podcast for the third episode in a three-part series and it all started with George. George was his first, really his first experience of grief and a catalyst for this whole journey that he's been on. George died under quite difficult circumstances and then from that made space for Monty, which was John's second dog, who sadly also died from cancer. You know, as a result of that, um, the way that he was dealing with his grief, he discussed in the previous two episodes. John, what did all of this inspire you to do?
1: What it inspired me to do is to ride across Australia on a motorbike.
0: Are you crazy?
1: Yes, I am. I knew that. I
0: didn't know that. <laughs> Why?
1: Over the years, I mean, obviously losing George was 10 years ago and Monty was a couple of years ago. It was inspired by, firstly, by those two dogs. But more importantly, I feel, is that it was inspired by the thousands of conversations that I had with people over over this period and just general conversations about their loss and them feeling stigmatised against, them feeling they're not able to share, them feeling that no one gets it. I was in, um, I guess not disbelief, but I I just thought, no, I I want to do something about this. I want to, I, I really felt that Monty, sorry, George and Monty didn't come into my life and leave my life just for nothing. And it was a light bulb moment based on a Those thousands of conversations going, I'm going to ride across Australia and I'm going to bring light to, in particular, dog lost grief. I'll do it on a bike because I love motorbikes. So that was it. That was the ride. Um, I dubbed the ride Two Wheels to Hill. I ride for the grieving dog lover and that extended well beyond me. That was for everyone. It was dedicated to everyone that had lost a dog and in, in some way I would do that and ride and speak to people and make new friends, and me reach out, people reach in, and that was the essence behind the ride. That was the idea behind
0: it. Okay, and it sounds like from what you're saying that you also really wanted to raise awareness about how serious and significant this issue of dog loss through death and grief can be for people in a society that can often minimise that for other people. So Absolutely. Minimise that for for people who have being through it by those flippant comments that we were discussing before around, oh, I'll just get another dog. And through that, I think, well, I get the sense that it really motivated you to take a stand and be like, I'm not going to stand for it and I'm going to try and reduce stigma, increase awareness, start conversations, start dialogue and really just see where it goes.
1: I thought, well... Let's jump on the back of a motorbike, let's load that sucker up and let's head across Australia and just spread the word.
0: And why a motorbike and not, say, a plane or a car?
1: That sounded too easy, a plane or a car. if It didn't sound challenging enough for me, like physically challenging.
0: And why did you need that physical challenge?
1: I felt that I needed some type of hardship with it. Not so much mental hardship, but there was definitely mental hardship with riding solo on a motorbike. You, sure. there's a lot of a lot of factors that you have to consider. I wanted to put myself back in a space where I was challenged physically, um, mentally, well, as much as I could.
0: And so was that almost like a representation of the challenge of grief?
1: Absolutely. And a lot of people did say, like, just you know, you can jump on a plane or just stay on social media or
0: hand out flyers like ha- a normal person. Um,
1: but you know, I'm not normal. Hand out flyers. <laughs> All the
0: best people aren't. So
1: <laughs> I just thought it'd be a wonderful experience. Plus, being on the ground and being on a bike on, on a motorbike, you stand out a bit more, and people approach you mm-hmm. and you can start conversation. So it's a bit of an icebreaker as well. Plan was was sometimes camp on the side of the road because I was fully kitted out. The other time was stay in caravan parks um, or in campgrounds and just wander around, not push it down anyone's throat. More get people to approach me. And when you're on a bike or kitted up, I mean, that's... And you had
0: pictures all over your bike, right? I had
1: stickers on both sides of the tank, the fuel tanks. It was just a little logo, Two Wheels to Hill Journey for the Grieving Dog Lover. And also on the front screen. So people would see it parked there. They'd ask about, oh, did you just lose a dog? I said a while back, but this is what I'm doing. And that's how it all started. It was so simple and so beautiful.
0: And so powerful.
1: Yeah, look, it was... um,
0: Well, would have been powerful. It
1: would have been powerful. It would have been. Key
0: word there.
1: I know, would. That little bridging word that could have. No, I like would better because it was... We were well underway with that trip. I was meeting... Mm -hmm so many people on my travels and...
0: And raising awareness. Raising awareness. You are meeting your goals and, you know, achieving what you had set out to achieve. But then what happened?
1: So what had happened, I'd ridden south from Perth, my hometown.
0: How far south?
1: As far south as you can go, like while staying in Australia.
0: In Western Australia? In Western
1: Australia, yeah. So Perth down through to a town called Albany and then east slightly. So... I did a bush camp there, and then pretty much from there, the weather pushed me further along and faster than I wanted to go. So there were storms coming down from the north and a westerly front coming in, so it's like a collision of two storm fronts. It sped the journey up a bit, got into a town called Esperance, which is way down on the south coast of Western Australia. Absolute beautiful coastline, it's just stunning
0: and I can imagine riding in wet weather is not safe nor is it enjoyable.
1: It's not. Wet weather's one thing. Heavy winds are, yeah, are another. Okay. I did have the wind at my back on the way out heading mm-hmm. east. Yeah, the storms were chasing me and I thought I don't want to get stuck. Absolutely sorry. If I did, didn't have to. So I got into Esperance. I was holed up there for a few days. I was always It was always going to be the case because from there I'd head slightly north and then I'd hit the Nullarbor Plain so that I was planning to spend a week crossing the Nullarbor, taking in the sights, just letting it breathe and then um, speaking to more people and then getting to South Australia. But being holed up in Esperance, the only reason was is that this massive storm front was coming right down through a town about a day's ride north and I'd head straight into it and then get to the Nullarbor and I thought, no, let's let's hang here, let's just wait till that clears. So, and it was the night before I was all set to go, going right, bike's good, my body's right, food's all sorted, trips mapped out, like fuel stops are mapped out, camp spots are mapped out. And then I got a phone call from a friend saying, hey, keep an eye on what's happening with COVID. And I said, well, it's kind of elevating a bit, but I'm going to be okay. The next morning I woke up to hear the news that they may be closing borders. They might not be closing borders. So I'd effectively get to the other side of Australia and then have to pretty much turn straight back again. So
0: or be stuck over the other side. Be
1: stuck over the other side with on a bike, not knowing whether I could get food. Where would I stay? Would campgrounds be shut? So I didn't make the decision lightly, but on a bike, safety has to come first. So the idea, look, I'll turn back and I'll head back to a town called Pemberton where my parents live. And I will stay there for two weeks. This will all clear up. And then I continue back on the journey.
0: And so at that point where you, so obviously two weeks passed and you, COVID sort of was really kicking in, borders were closed, we couldn't go anywhere. That realization at that point that you were no longer going to be able to continue with what you had set out to do. How was that for you? What experiences or feelings showed up for you around that?
1: I, I was gutted. I was. Less so for the planning of the ride, because that that's always a potential in any journey, especially on a motorbike, That sure. things have to be cut short. That's always, can sometimes happen. What I was completely devastated was, is how would I get, how would I continue this work? I didn't want to let it go. There was no way I could let it go. It was, no, this was, I, I can't stop. But what do I do? Do I ride around in a circle in this country town or or what
0: and so it was really sort of the the distress almost of not being able to continue spreading the word and raising awareness and reducing stigma because of covid that really challenged you and pushed you in a different direction and thankfully that direction has been the podcast, if you don't mind me disclosing, disclosing can, that, although everybody knows because here we are.
1: Here we are. I know it's no surprise. I mean, oh, it was a different type of grief in Pemberton, and I felt isolated. Even though I was with my family, my friends were back in Perth, I was stuck there. It's different when you're riding and you're out and you feel you're starting to...
0: We have purpose.
1: Yeah, have purpose, and you, you're starting to achieve mile by mile on the bike and conversation by conversation, achieving what you set out to do. And, and then a beautiful
0: you, feeling. It's
1: a great feeling. Mm-hmm. And then when you're not doing that, you've promised yourself firstly and you've promised so many people that you're going and to Monty continue. And Monty and George. Monty and George. And I, was, and I couldn't go back to Perth. The borders were shut. All my gear was in lock-up.
0: Did you feel like you had let George and Monty down?
1: Probably beyond George and Monty. I just felt the whole essence to decreasing and and eventually eliminating um, society stigma that that's what I felt I'd let down I know it wasn't my fault but
0: but that almost makes it worse because you're powerless to change it at that time
1: completely powerless that's when I started looking into podcasting I hadn't you know I'd listened to podcasts I've always loved radio which is not podcasting but it's sound it's audio I've I've loved that I delved more and more into it and then I started studying it and then next thing I started getting the credit card out and ordering the gear. And it was at the time as well that, I mean, stuff was not available. Like normally, like with my motorbike stuff, when I was going, right, I need to kit this out, i need this, I'd leave. You could order it and it
0: would, you be, order there.
1: It and it would be there. But
0: during COVID, you would order yeah. something and nothing would.
1: Well, you couldn't even get hold of it. Like yeah. you go, okay, well, that's what I need. I need these, like these mics or this stand or... You would go in and there's no availability because so many businesses had turned to digital and that type of medium for uh, uh, people working at home. And, and I was going, oh, this is crazy. So I would have gone to about 20 different sites and grabbing pieces and bits and pieces here. One day there'd be 10 available. I'll go, I'll get on that tomorrow. And then I'll go, "Mm," two hours go by, have a sneaky look, there's one left. And that was the, the nature and the scramble of it. I ordered the gear and it would come to my family's place. I mean, some of it took two months.
0: Yeah, there were big delays on any online kind of orders. Massive.
1: So the plan was to eventually get back to Perth. I didn't have a place to live at that stage. The borders were still closed, so... So you had state borders. So if you picture Western Australia and draw a line like right on the edge into South Australia, then there's the Northern Territory. You couldn't cross those lines. Even worse, still from that, I couldn't cross the line from where I was staying regionally in the southwest. Couldn't get back to Perth
0: because we had internal borders, internal border in closures. Border.
1: So I eventually, I waited till pretty much right at the end. I did get a secure pass. So that's what what happened. I. Ended up loading up my bike with all my gear that I'd bought for the big trip across Australia and found a beautiful place to live by the beach and set up the studio. And from there, it's just been record and reach out and learn and learn and, and
0: spread. You know, this, it has such a wider reach. And I know for me personally, I'm really grateful that that horrible thing happened to you and that COVID happened and turned you back because... This, I think, is a, such a lovely way to really tick all those boxes that you wanted to with your ride, just in a much wider, broader, global kind of scale. And,
1: and looking back, I'm still grateful for that time because I made some wonderful friends in that short period of time that I was doing the ride, even though I only made it pretty much to the border of the desert of Western Australia.
0: John, thank you again for sharing your story. But before we finish, we just wanted to dedicate this episode to Chloe. Chloe sadly passed away from a rare form of bone cancer. Well, her mum has been friends with John for a really long time. And, you know, during conversations with Chloe's mum, some information came to light about how much she loved Monty. And John hadn't been aware of this, and it was really touching. And so from me and from John, we would just like to dedicate this to Chloe and say that she was a beautiful human who was lost too early, dying 13 days before her 18th birthday, an animal lover, a beautiful human, a friend, a daughter, Thanks, Chloe, for being here for the time that you were...